from Luke chapter 6. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They have come to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is right in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise you, O Christ. You may be seated. Our Gospel reading today makes me uncomfortable, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. Luke's Beatitudes are quite a bit different from the more well-known blessings listed in Matthew's Gospel of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Today, we read of Jesus on, a, on level ground at a level place, healing and preaching to those gathered. It's known as Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Jesus heals and then he preaches blessings and woes to the people. I find myself uncomfortable because in the groups named, I think of myself as either in some unnamed middle place or on the woe side of Jesus' sermon. It doesn't feel great to have Jesus tell you that you'll be weeping. As I was preparing for today, I found myself doing what I'm sure a lot of people do when tackling this sermon from Luke. I wanted to sugarcoat it. I wanted to make it more palatable for us as generally middle-class Americans to hear, and there are a lot of ways to do that. I could focus on Matthew's gospel account instead, which leaves out the woes entirely and focuses on a spiritual aspect of the blessings. But then we lose the healing at the beginning of Jesus' sermon, and we lose the truth of Jesus' words to the actual poor and actual hungry. I thought about focusing on the words of comfort for those receiving a blessing, how Jesus' words of God's kingdom reverse the status quo of our world, and I think it does, but I found myself still feeling that bit of discomfort, thinking about this woe group and wondering where I found myself in Jesus' reversal. So then I thought about looking at the other readings and said, well, maybe I'll just skip Luke today, but Paul in 1 Corinthians and the prophet Jeremiah gave me no help. Paul is really beginning a whole other sermon that we don't really get to hear until next week's reading, 
And Jeremiah, Jeremiah's got his own curse and blessings to deal with. So I realized, after all this waffling around Jesus' blessings and woes, that I just had to be uncomfortable. And maybe we could be uncomfortable together. We don't know much about the crowd gathered around Jesus that day. We know that many of them were sick and were in need of healing. We know that many of them wanted to hear Jesus speak. And the one thing we can guess is that by the time Jesus finished with his woes, none of those listening would have been very comfortable. Even if they were in the group who received blessings, they may have been comforted some by Jesus' words, but at this moment, they're still facing poverty, hunger, sorrow, or defamation. How does hearing that you'll inherit the kingdom of God put a roof over your head or feed your family? How does a promise of joy feel to someone who has been ostracized from their community? Even in the midst of blessing and hope and comfort, there is discomfort, too, in the reality of their lives. And if they were in the group of woes, then they, maybe similar to my experience of hearing Jesus say these words of grief, may be uncomfortable with their wealth, with their privilege, with their success, or at least with Jesus' condemnation of it. I wonder if some of them stopped listening, if they found a quiet way to leave the crowd. This is the kind of discomfort that makes people try to kill Jesus, and it's also the kind that makes it really hard to hear his words. And maybe there were some in the crowd who weren't listed at all, at least by their own hearing, which has its own discomfort of feeling displaced between the dichotomy of poor, the dichotomy of poor and rich, hungry and full, the wondering of which group they are in if they're not currently hungry but have known terrible hunger, maybe not rich but not poor exactly. If you laugh while you're weeping, do you receive blessing or woe? I find myself often when I'm filled with tears, also filled with laughter. There's a discomfort in not knowing where you stand in Jesus' sermon, too. Jesus' words, his sermon on the plain, provide comfort and discomfort, and I didn't want to gloss over that. I wonder if there were any people from the woe group that just came to hear Jesus speak, that didn't need healing or a cure in some way, and throughout the Gospels, throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he's met with people from that woe category. And Jesus often offers them new life, a different life, and very few take it. The life they know is too comfortable. As Jesus says, they've received their consolation. It's really hard to stand on a level place with the poor, the hungry, the weeping, the reviled, when it means leaving comfort plenty, laughter, or success. If we're comfortable, why would we want to change, especially if it means that we might become uncomfortable? But honestly, most things worth doing are at least a little uncomfortable, especially things where we find ourselves being God's hands and feet in the world, especially when it means going to a level place with others we don't know or have some privilege around whether it's serving someone who is poor, providing food for the hungry, being present with someone who is grieving, or reconciling, reconciling with someone who has been excluded. All the ways we can be blessings to others can also be really uncomfortable. The path that Jesus calls his followers to isn't one of comfort, 
It's born of a level place with those who you may have never thought you'd have anything in common with. And sometimes we experience woe. That word woe that Jesus uses is an exclamation of grief, of sadness, because Jesus knows that for many who fall in that woe group, the new kingdom coming will be different than what they know, and they will experience woe in it. That in their comfort, they may be experiencing woe already by missing out on what Jesus is offering here. Woe to you who are rich, for prosperity blinds you to the inheritance God promised. Woe to you who are full, for you may find yourself hungry for the abundance of God's table. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will be unsure of how to handle the discomfort of the new kingdom. Woe to you when people speak well of you. You have not pushed against the brokenness of this world enough. It's hard to change, to be changed, when we are comfortable. Sometimes, we need Jesus to make us uncomfortable so that we can be part of the blessing that Jesus brings, part of God's kingdom on earth. Sometimes we need Jesus to make us uncomfortable so that the broken parts of this world can become visible to us so we can actually try and do something about it. Sometimes we need Jesus to make us uncomfortable to remind us that we actually need some healing. Many of you, like me, probably find yourself listening to the gospel and wondering, if you were in the woe group or not in any group at all. Many of us find ourselves, at least in some part of our lives, comfortable. And that comfort can make it hard for us to see our own brokenness, our own failures. That comfort can become our consolation. The good news Jesus brings in our reading today is not one of comfort, but of healing. Before Jesus says anything to the crowd, before they can prove themselves to be worthy of blessing or woe or somewhere in between, Jesus comes down with the twelve to a level place with a great crowd of all kinds of people. People from all Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, all there to see Jesus to be healed, and power comes out of him. Power comes out of Jesus and heals every single one of them. Not because they are blessed, not because they are comfortable, not because they are poor or rich or hungry or full, but because they simply need healing. They simply need healing. In the same way, Jesus goes to the cross because the world needs healing. Jesus experiences the worst this world can give on the cross. Jesus dies because he makes people uncomfortable with his blessings, with his resources, with his words of woe to the rich and successful. And Jesus rises from the dead, which honestly makes more people uncomfortable. But in Jesus' rising, he brings a new healing, a new discomfort to the world. Healing is rarely comfortable. If you've ever healed anything from a cut to a broken arm, from flu to cancer, healing is rarely fun. You, you laugh because you know that. The healing of the world isn't comfortable either. This uncomfortable healing calls people to a new place, a level place. I'm going to turn this off because I'm getting some pretty bad reverb. This uncomfortable healing forgives sins and brings a new kingdom. This uncomfortable healing brings the hope of eternal life and a resurrection that is real. 
so that we can lean into this, the discomfort, so that we can be part of this new kingdom inheritance, so that all the world might be healed by Jesus' power and called blessed. Thanks be to God.